never underestimate the love that God has for people beyond his people. Let's never underestimate the longing he has for them to come to know him. What do we always go back to uh, in 1 Peter? Is it 1 Peter 3? 1 Peter 5? 2 Peter 3? I think it's 1 Peter 5. But it's that voice that says, for God desires that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. It reminds us that there are people beyond his people. So we don't want to deny that, because to deny that is to deny the opportunity for them to come to know him. If we never address that, then they're lost. Just like if, if you were never beckoned in, then you were beyond his people. Once you were not a people, now you are a people of God. People of God. But let's never underestimate the longing God has in his heart for those people. When we dedicate little ones, we say God will never force himself on this little one. He'll never, he'll never make this little one fall in love with him. Because that's not love. Who loves someone? Who loves someone? Anyone? Yeah? Not all the hands are up, so let's be praying. There's a prayer ministry team available. If you love someone, then that is something you give freely. If you are loved by someone, you want it to be a love that comes not under compulsion. Not as if, well, I have to love you, so I'll just love you. Or, I told you that I would love you, so I'm going to have to keep on loving you. If you ever feel that, then let's get before the throne of God. And let's re, reinvigorate and reignite the love. But love is given freely. And so let's never underestimate the love that God has because he chose to come and die for them. He chose to come and die for us and for them. The question is, what are we going to do about that? What are they going to do about that? How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. What a privilege we have. Praise God. Well, listen, this morning we're going to get into the Word together and uh, we'll see where it takes us. Thank you, ladies. That was a beautiful song and uh, really precious just to worship together in a fresh space. Turn to your neighbour and, and ask these two questions. Who are you? And why are you here? Go for it. Who are you? And why are you here? And make sure that you answer. Maybe you've thought, why am I here this morning? Hopefully not. Who are you and why are you here? Two questions then. 
Perhaps they're a bit bizarre to ask of people who, who you know and also people you know why we're here. But they're important questions in life. Who are you? Why are you here? They're questions that we can also ask in life uh, of ourselves. Who am I? Why am I here? Questions then like, well, what's happening next? I'm here, so what's happening next? How is the next that I imagine, how is it possible for it to happen? And here's a question. What will it look like when I'm there? So I know why I'm here. I've got a sense of where I'm going, but what's it going to look like when I get there? And then the question that underpins everything in a sense is, well, why bother? You chose to get up this morning. Who struggled to get up this morning? A few of us. Sometimes we ask the question, why bother? It's a valid question, because it challenges us to then revisit what actually matters. Why bother? You've come here this morning because, in part because you're part of this family, in part because you were curious, what is this space like? What's church going to look like in this space? And in part because you know that when you gather together, God shows up. They're motivators for why you, you bother. We're in new territory this morning as Open Baptist Church, for sure. And as I've touched on, we're entering into an exciting new chapter in this church's journey with God. But as we've touched on already, not just with God and not just with each other, but also with our community. I met someone new this morning. I met Ralph this morning. Lovely guy. Great to get time with Ralph. A, a lovely warm welcome we received. What a blessing. We are engaging with our community in a new way this morning. And here's the thing. In the community that he's planted us in, sometimes church can get into this mindset of, well, the community that I'm planted in is the place that we go and gather in and we close the doors and we hide behind the frosted glass and we do our thing. And I'm just so struck this morning afresh that he's planted us in a community that is bigger than us. And I've heard that said of people who go and start doing church in a community space. There's that revelation of, or that new awareness of I'm part of a bigger community and I'm championing the community that I love in the bigger community. Incredible. Here's the thing. We're in exactly the same moment in our chronology and that was not planned. I did not sit and choreograph the fact that we were going to be touching on this theme this morning. It's just the way God does stuff. Isn't that just like God? We're in the same space in our chronology together. We've been through some of the most challenging and difficult portions of, of human history and of God's word. Who has found it challenging? Who has come week on week but still found it challenging? My hands are up as well. I'm determined to do what I've been told to do and that is to preach the whole counsel of God. And that means that sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable 
But here's where it gets exciting. We don't just major in and settle in on those moments, but we press on through them because we know that there's more to God than those moments. It's part of God's story, part of humanity's story, but there's more. We've had a glimpse into the failings of mankind and we've seen in that the fierce judgment of God. And we cannot dance around that. But, this is where I get a bit excited. Because we've also seen the grace and mercy of God throughout this. Who's seen the grace and mercy of God in his patience? In his sending of a prophet to tell the people, come back to me. Let go of that, it's going to kill you. We had uh, one, of our, one of our church family brought sparklers last night. It was so lovely. She brought sparklers to hand out to all the kids. And I said, we actually, we're not going to do sparklers because it's quite a dark plot and, and it could get quite congested. And you know, I'm just thinking, where's Linda? I'm thinking, I don't know what our insurance is for sparklers. You know, and I thought, if they drop a sparkler, they might pick it up by the wrong end. And I was with one of my family years ago, one of our, one of our extended family little ones, and he dropped his sparkler and bent down to pick it up, and he picked it up by the wrong end. Now, by the grace of God and by a miracle, he was fine. But my first reaction, what would your first reaction be? You just do you. You just crack on. No, our first reaction is, oh, you I dived and I grabbed his hand, and he got a fright, and I felt terrible. But why did I have to grab his hand and give him a fright? wasn't an intention to give him a fright, but I did it because I love him and because what he was about to do was going to hurt him. The grace and mercy of God has been seen throughout. It's maybe not easy to see, and I understand that in these moments we've journeyed through, but it is there. Here's the thing, though. This is going to get us, I think, excited, I hope. We're entering into new territory this morning. Literally, we're in a new room, but also biblically. If you've got your Bibles this morning, and here's the thing, we don't have Bibles on the windowsills for two reasons. One, we haven't got a box to pack them in, and two, we haven't got windowsills. So bring your Bible to church. Uh, the, the words will be up on the screen, of course, but you know, who loves their own Bible? I love my own Bible. I love having a Bible in my hands. There's something about it. We're going to just go back to Jeremiah 29, verses 4 to 7. I wrote this sermon three times. You can judge whether this is the right one that I'm preaching or not at the end of it. I wasn't going to go here initially. I was going to concentrate on our scripture for the year. We're going to get to that this morning, of course. But I just felt that this was where we needed to be. So we're going to go to 29 verses 4 to 7 to start. Let's pray and then let's hear God's word. Father, we thank you that you determined that the words that we have in our hands are the words we need to hear. We're conscious, God, that this is an English translation of a Hebrew text. We hold an English translation of a Greek text, text and some Aramaic text. And so we're conscious, God, that you have seen fit for it to be translated so that we can understand what you want us to hear. And so, Father, by your Spirit, speak to our hearts this morning. As we hear your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. So here we go. Chapter 29 of Jeremiah, verses 4 to 7. These are verses we know so well because they were verses for our uh, year 2017, I think. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles. Everyone say all. 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 It's like a whisper in this room, isn't it? <laughs> Let's shout it. All. all. That was better. Well done. <laughs> to all the exiles, I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and, sons and, and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. Your Bible might say prosper. I might like the word flourish. Everyone's got their different words. Helen, Helen was doing the bunting from our, for our front uh, of our porch in our house. And I said, she said, we need three words. Stuart. I said, how about trust, rest, flourish from the ceremony of weeks ago? And Helen was like, oh, flourish? Mm. What about thrive? And I thought, no, I like flourish. This morning we've got thrive. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> let's, let's work with thrive. Here we have the same questions being asked in this moment that we just asked of each other this morning. The same questions. They're being asked of the people of Israel and Judah in a time where they had left their home and they were in a strange place. Does that mirror, in a sense, where we are this morning? We've left our home. We're in a strange place with uncertainty. Who was a little bit apprehensive about the idea of coming to church in a school let's be honest yeah there's uncertainty but here's the thing god has spoken to the people therefore there is also opportunity where god is there is opportunity and where there is god there is a dispelling of uncertainty amen do we believe it i believe it jeremiah 29 verse 4 Everything stems from this first question. What did I ask you to ask your neighbour? Who are you? Who were they? Let's look at Jeremiah 29 verse 4. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Who were they? They were the people of the personal God of heaven. Turn to the person beside you and say, you are part of the people of the personal God of heaven. Did you get that? I think I've forgotten it as well. You are part of the people of the personal God of heaven. You sang about miracles and we remembered. Well done. So there you go. Who were they? They're part of the people of the personal God of heaven. Where were they? Second part of that verse. They're exiles. That's also who they are deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. So they're in a new place. They're in an unfamiliar place. They're in the midst of strangers. Next question. Why were they there? Second part of that verse says again, God deported them there. 
There's a thought. God saw fit to take them out of their home into an unfamiliar place that was uncertain because that was the solution that he determined was necessary. Isn't that incredible? Who loves home? Who's a home bird? <laughs> my brother was a home bird. I was a total opposite. When we'd go and stay at my grand and granddad's, my brother would be, he'll love me telling this story. He was up at the window, mum and dad drove away, Greg's like, don't leave me, sobbing at the window. And I'm oblivious, you know, I'm, I've got the dominoes out, you know, I'm in the cupboard trying to find a little stash of sweets that my grand always had for us. Whose grand made a little poke, good Scottish word, a little poke of sweets with those sherbet flying saucers? I'm getting sidetracked here. Where was I? Why are they there? God's solution was to take them there into exile. He could only accomplish the necessary change in them and in others through the moving of his people out of the old and into the new. Isn't that incredible? It's the only way he could do it. What about the next question? What was next for them? Jeremiah 29, 5 to 7. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat their produce. You'll be saying these verses in your sleep. Find wives for yourselves. Uh, is that okay? Yeah, just one wife. Just one wife. Thank you, Daniel. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Find one wife for your oneself. Find, uh, don't find sons and daughters. Create your own sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters and to men in marriage, so that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply their, do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I've deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you thrive. Flourish, when it flourishes, you flourish. What was next for them? Well, if you've got a Bible in your hand and you feel brave enough to go back one book to Isaiah Chapter 60 and verse 3. I think it's summarized beautifully here. This is, the, this is the purpose of God's people being created. Nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. God's heart is that the nations would come. Here's the thing. How do the nations come? The nations come because the people of God are shining a bright light. The bright light comes from God. God is the source of that light, but he shines it through his people. What is next for these people? They are to present Yahweh to the nations across every aspect of their lives. Here's the thing. They're to present Yahweh to the nations in their marriages, in their family life, in the stability that only comes through this kind of life, this kind of community structure, to present Yahweh in marriage, family, stability, in fruitfulness, in the conduct within their own people and out with their own people. Isn't that incredible? Don't just look to within, look to beyond. Now you might say, Stuart, I find that really hard. If you've ever been married, you know marriage is not easy. We're, we can be so guilty to compare our marriages to other people's and think you've got it all together and I'm finding it hard. 
And actually, I would propose that every marriage is a challenge at times. Because it's two people growing together. You might find that there are times when you're on a different page to that person. Maybe that person that you're married to is not yet walking with Jesus. And that's not easy. And we say, Father, come and touch that person's heart and transform their life. We can champion Jesus in that space in front of them as well. Maybe your children are the same. Let's keep praying for those that are beyond that they become and be part of God's family. What was next for them? Shine the light so that people would come to know. What would it look like? Well, what it would look like was a lot of hard work. This morning, took effort to, to get through these doors. For the people in Babylon at the time, it was going to take effort. It was going to have to involve them digging deep, perhaps to the very depths of who they were, in order to function in that space as God was calling them to. But here's what it would also look like. What's that phrase? Anything that is worth anything requires hard work. That's not the phrase. I've totally butchered that. Anything that's worth anything takes effort. If it comes easy, then is it worth much? Who's ever saved up for something? Worked hard and saved up for something. And then you finally got it and you value it because you worked hard to get it. Anything that's worth anything takes effort to get. What would it look like? The picture being painted for the exiles in, in Babylon. It would take effort, but here's what it would also look like. Peace, growth, fruitfulness, prosperity. What is our world crying out for today? They're crying out for peace. They're crying out for growth. And they might frame it as economic growth. We would frame it perhaps in a broader sense. They're crying out for fruitfulness. Everyone really wants to be fruitful in their life. They want to see fruit being born out of the effort they put into stuff and prosperity. The world's crying out for prosperity. Again, we would frame it wider and deeper than perhaps how the world would frame it. Not just for them, not just peace, growth, fruitfulness and prosperity for them, but also for the people who are beyond them because they were now in their midst. And the final question to ask is, why bother? Why bother? Why should they bother to follow these words? They were exhausted. It took, what was it? Roughly three months to walk. That's on the, the kind of, probably the most average distance. Eight weeks to 12 weeks to walk from Jerusalem to Babylon. They're exhausted. They've got nothing apart from what they had on their backs. They've lost everything that they knew. But yet, God's calling them to live this way. Because God knows that in our hearts, we are built to long for these things. And when we don't have these things, we feel less. We feel like there's something missing. And so God champions us, pursue these things. Here's the thing. God is the source of these things. 
Who's had a little bit more peace since you came to know God? You might not be in a place where you're totally at peace yet. There's maybe still a lot of work still to do and God's still working in your circumstance. But God brings peace. He's the source of peace. He's the source of fruitfulness, growth, prosperity, etc. Why bother? Because they were called to actively live out of God's will. And that God's will for them, exile, God's will for them to present himself to the nations was now being offered to them in exile. He was being presented to the people round about them. And here's the thing, where God is presented to other people, the people beyond his people, those people who are not yet his people can become part of the people of God. I could not say that again if I tried. I'm going to try. Why bother? Because the people who are not yet his people can become his people when the people who are his people present him to those people. Are you getting this? Good. Thank you. I should really have rehearsed that more at home. Mary Ann Evans, better known as George Eliot, Middlemarch. What we call our despair often on, is often only a painful eagerness of unfed hope. Let me say that again. What we call our despair is often only a painful eagerness of unfed hope. When we feel in despair, it's because we know that something is missing and that missing needs to be found or, or, or delivered or given so that we can no longer be in despair. Exile was not easy for these people, but it was one of the greatest moments in the history of humanity and in the history of our faith. So who are you? Where are you? Why are you here? What's next? How is the next possible? And what does it look like when I'm there? And then, of course, why bother? Well, who are you? John 1, verse 14. To all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, those who believe in his name. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, you are part of God's family. You are a child of God. Verse 14 of Romans 8, we know this. The scripture for the year. For all who are led by God's spirit are God's sons. I'll rattle through these, Daniel, don't worry. Sorry, I don't have them there. For all who are led by God's spirit, they are God's sons. That word sons is generic sons for sons and daughters. What about Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Who are you this morning? You're part of the family of God. You're a new creation in Christ. You are led by the Spirit because the Spirit is now available to you. Incredible. And within you, if you're in Christ, you are. Ephesians 1 verse 13. Justified. Justified. You're sealed with the Spirit of God 
In him you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. What is the gospel? It is salvation. It is the vehicle for salvation. Sealed with the Spirit when you believed. When you believed, you're sealed with the Spirit. And then you're sanctified. This is a, a, a present continuous. You're being sanctified. Who's being changed? In fact, let me rephrase that. Who is imperfect? You don't have to put your hand up, but I'm going to put both hands up. God's still doing a work in me. And so there's a sanctification process, Romans 8, verses 12 and 13. So then, brothers and sisters, we're not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. What does that mean? We don't have to live like we used to live. We've got a choice. We've got an option now. We're not obligated to live that way because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What does that mean? All those things that God has beckoned you out of and is beckoning you out of, he's saying, put it to death, put it to death. Let go of it and walk away and embrace the new way that I am offering to you. Why? Because that is the way of life. Who are you? You're justified. You're sanctified. You're being sanctified. And then one day you'll be glorified. Ephesians 1 verse 14, the Holy Spirit is the down payment. Everyone say down payment. Who's put a down payment on something before? Maybe a house, maybe a car, whatever. What is that purpose to do? It's purpose to give you access to something, but it also fixes your mind on when the last payment is made, when the last dynamic is finished of that, when it closes off. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. What is our inheritance? Well, we're walking some of it out in this life, but ultimately it is to be in eternity with God. The Holy Spirit is a down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession. Until our possession, that eternal life is redeemed to the praise of his glory. Who are you? Justified, sanctified, glorified. Until we graduate out of this life into eternity. If you're in Christ this morning, if your status before the throne of God this morning is good because of how you have responded to the gospel of Christ. Take a deep breath, a deep breath, and relax. But don't get too relaxed. Don't retire. Sometimes people think that when they're saved, they just retire. It's like, that's it, it's done, woohoo! And kick back now and wait for the redemption of the possession. God is beckoning his people to something else. We see that in Jeremiah 29. Don't retire. Be at peace and get to work. That's what God's telling the people in exile. Be at peace and get to work. Get to work on what? Well, here's the thing, Stuart. Get to work on yourself. Everyone, get to work on ourselves. Stuart, get to work on yourself. And then, Get to work on the mission that we all signed up for. 
When we came to know Christ and embraced Christ, he gave us a mission. Why? Because he knows that you can walk it out. He trusts you to hand over the mission and to carry it. Isn't that incredible? Incredible. Be at peace, get to work on ourselves and the mission. Have a look around this room this morning. Have a look around. We could just plateau here. We could kind of get comfortable with all the space and think, you know, I love that I can do this in church. Oh. I love that I can put my bag here and my coat here, my coffee there and my sweeties here. And this is fantastic. We could just plateau in this space, couldn't we? We could also use this space to develop this sense of, we'll just keep our distance from each other. Do you know, I'm quite a quiet person. I'm not very conversational. I'm not very social. So actually, this place really suits me because I can come in and I can hide. What I want to encourage us to do is to think, let's look beyond what we see right now. Let's not plateau and settle. Let's begin to imagine the potential in this space this morning. Seats filled. I'm going to go back to the same core people. By our neighbours, our work colleagues, our family, our enemies. Now, I hope we haven't got enemies. But that person that you always have a bit of tension with at work. That person that is that neighbour that you know if... You know, if you do something to your heads that impacts how they feel about their view or whatever, whatever it is, there's maybe a bit of tension with someone in your life. Picture them sitting beside you this morning. Maybe someone in your family that you've kind of lost touch with, that you've been estranged from. What about them sitting beside you this morning? People that are strangers to us as well. People that we don't know sitting beside us. This morning is a testimony of what God has done in Open Baptist Church. He has grown his church just as he promised. He's grown it and Albany Sanctuary cannot contain it. Isn't that a beautiful thought? In its current structure, it can contain it. But it's also a testimony of what he can do and what he wants to do. Now, it's as of yet unrealised, and perhaps it's hard for us to picture what it might look like for it to be different. But I want to encourage us that this is God's heart for this family. Where there are people who have found themselves in a new place of opportunity, yes, perhaps a bit uncomfortable, not perhaps how we like it, but a land of opportunity. Once again, being reminded of why they exist. Jeremiah 29. You're in exile. This is a solution. Let me remind you why you exist. You exist to champion what is good and holy and righteous and beautiful in amongst each other and in amongst the people beyond why are you here? Not just in church. Why are you here? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5, I think we've got that on the, on the, uh, the slides. Verses 20 and 21. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. He says, therefore, we, everyone say we. We are ambassadors for Christ. Since God's making his appeal through us, he could be talking about here the people who have been tasked to champion and travel, the itinerant people. But I would argue that this truth is also bigger than that. Because Matthew 28, Acts chapter 1, go, go out into the world, all of us. In this context, Paul saying we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Come on, what an incredible portion of his word. So, why are you here? That's why we're here. To plead on Christ's behalf. To be filled up and encouraged to then go and plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. What's next? Well, what's next is down in part to our willingness and in part to God's incredible mighty power. God asks us this morning, will we listen carefully to his voice? What did Jesus say? Everyone who has ears to hear, hear. Let's listen to God over the days, weeks, months ahead as we step into this new phase. And then, how is the next possible? By following the correct voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. He encouraged his sheep to obey his voice. And the great shepherd championed as we will champion here. Here is the way, walk in it. How is the next possible? By championing to people, here is the way, walk in it. Jesus is the way. And this next phase for God's will for us will only be possible if we do what God asked the people of Jeremiah's day to do, partner with him in his work. How did they flourish, thrive? How did they flourish in the new and unfamiliar territory? They devoted themselves to God and to each other. That's how they made the way. How can we flourish? We can do the same. What will it look like? Glorious. At times, uncomfortable. At times, different, but ultimately glorious. And lastly, why bother? Why bother? Once we were not a people, now we are the people of God. There are currently people beyond God's people. And God wants them to come in and be part of his people. For the sake of the lost, we press on. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that a word that was written in the 500s, the late 500s, perhaps 600s BC, 
prompting us to think about how to walk out this next portion of our journey with you. Father, help us. We know, God, that we cannot do it without you. It is in your strength that we do all things. And so, God, we give ourselves to you afresh. We say, Father, here we are, as simple as we are, perhaps even as unprepared as we feel, or as insignificant as we feel, we remember, God, that it is you that works through us for the sake of the lost. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.